Welcome to this new episode of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to bring you guest Darcy Elks. So Darcy is an educator, consultant, and human services evaluator, an advocate on behalf of people who are societally devalued. Darcy is also a parent of three adult children, uh, one whom has an intellectual disability. Darcy has traveled internationally for 35 uh, plus years and has worked with many different groups of people, including persons who have themselves been marginalized by society, family members, professionals from different disciplines, such as teachers, psychologists, social workers, members of faith communities, and human service providers from uh, multiple fields, including intellectual disability, um, mental health, and aging. And I'm really excited to dive into this conversation today with Darcy to really talk about maybe some different perspectives, but we're going to start off talking about her family perspective and her experience with her daughter and um, going down the path of inclusion for over the last 30 years. So Darcy, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. Thank you, Eric. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. Well, Darcy, it's been a pleasure getting to getting to know you these last few years. We've had several Zoom calls. We haven't met in person yet, but one day, <laughs> I'm hopeful. One day, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, why don't we start with kind of your, like, so you have the experience of being a family member, a mom, um, and going down the path of inclusion over the last 30 years. And you also have um, the experience of supporting other families and um and kind of that professional facilitator coach sr you know a very knowledgeable person around when it comes to social role valorization srv so you wear multiple different hats so that's why i think it's um going to be uh, really helpful for families to hear from you especially from your family um experience so maybe i don't know where we want to start darcy but maybe um can you tell us maybe a little bit more about kind of your family and um, that experience of going down that path of inclusion and maybe how you started down that path and we can see where that leads us? Sure. Okay. Well, I think I will talk about, as you said, I do have three grown adult children. Um, my oldest daughter has a developmental disability and um, my other two actually ended up having their own kinds of issues. So it's been a very interesting journey. Uh, I think I'll mostly talk about Mary, my oldest um, daughter. And Mary is the, the person who really helped my husband and I to put into practice what we believed and what we had talked to other people about. And that was to live life completely included or fully included within school, within her community, um, as, a, as a child and also as an adult. We were greatly encouraged by families uh, in Alberta who I had such an amazing opportunity to meet when my daughter Mary was 18 months old. And of course, I was looking at her um, your first child, you're, well, with all children, this is true, but particularly your first child, you're just in awe. And I, from the time I first held her in my arms 
you know, when she was little tiny day old baby, uh, I was uh, overwhelmed. And my husband was too, as we looked at her thinking, oh, we just want her to have a good life. I hope she has a good education. I you know, hope that she has lots of friends. I hope that she develops her interest. And, and as she gets older, she's able to pursue that. And and she will get a job. And maybe she'll get married. And I, we had all these um, typical thoughts that I think every parent has. And uh, when I met the families in Alberta... They were further along in this journey than we were. So their kids were older. And um, it was amazing to me of how what I had thought, you know, in those very early days holding my little baby, actually, there were young people that I met who were like living this life and families who had had really promoted and supported their family member to be fully included. And this was, remember, a long time ago now. Um, so I felt very strengthened and encouraged by that contact with other families. And my husband and I, we uh, started out in the usual kinds of ways. Mary was, uh, did have early intervention services and she joined regular play groups. And then it came time for preschool. And the way we, we. Darcy, just for, just for context, like this would be uh mid 80s late 80s 30 years ago eric what's that 30 years okay so 30 years uh i don't know <laughs> my on the spot math isn't great so <laughs> that would be like early 90s yeah mary was born in 91 yeah right. so okay. yes early 90s. yeah so uh when it came time for preschool we of course wanted to find a good preschool and so how do we go about doing that? We didn't look for a special preschool. We went to our neighbors because we had a lot of neighbors with kids the same age and said, hey, where does your where's your little boy or little girl go to go to preschool? And that was enormously helpful. We had we got some very nice ideas. And I had uh, been trained as a Montessori teacher. So, of course, I was kind of like leaning toward Montessori. And we found this wonderful Montessori school. They were so welcoming. They're so happy to have our daughter there. And that was um, a wonderful beginning to education. Uh, and it, it's interesting. Mary was the first child with uh, a developmental disability who had been included in that school. And this remained true throughout her entire uh, life as a, as a student. And so I think that really set us on the path. And then, you know, very hard time for us was when we enrolled Mary in our neighborhood school after she finished preschool. And we were told, um, well, because your daughter has Down syndrome, uh, you know, she won't be going to her neighborhood school. Rather, there's another school in our school district that she will be going to. And that was our first kind of, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a struggle. And so we prevailed and Mary did go to her neighborhood school with her brother and sister, which we felt was vitally important. Um, and the neighborhood kids. And, uh, you know, it was not easy, I will say. Um, elementary school, 
was pretty good. First grade was was kind of hard. <laughs> Second grade was a whole lot better. Third grade was wonderful. Um, and then we hit fourth grade. And I will never forget Mrs. Wilson. Uh, Mrs. Wilson uh, was a trained special ed teacher and a regular educator. And um, she was not pleased to have Mary in her class. Mm -hmm. And I remember our first teacher conference. You know, they have regular teacher conferences, particularly in the beginning of the year. And I came in the, in the classroom and Mrs. Wilson um, motioned to me to sit down in one of the students' chairs. You know, so these are pretty young children, right? So the chairs are pretty small. And then she bought her big teacher chair and sat in front of me as we had our conference. Um, and I only tell you that story is just to give you an idea of the dynamics. And that year was a pretty hard year. Fifth grade was wonderful. Um, middle school, we had a fabulous principal. Mary was welcomed. Although, yet again, when Mary went to went to middle school, they said there is a life skills class here. And this is where Mary belongs. So we wanted to be cooperative, although we knew we would not pick that. But they said, would you just come and look at it? So we went and looked at it. And it was so um, off-putting to us. The kids in the life skills class were doing just what it sounds like, life skills, almost no academics, uh, no exposure to big ideas. Um, and, of course, you know, we, we insisted on Mary being fully included, and we were so grateful for the many parents who had been working on this for years and years, and it is public law um, here, but... And there when you say here, where where was this, Darcy? Oh, in the in the United States. Yeah, where in what what state? Oh, oh, I was in Pennsylvania at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they did try to get around it, but we insisted, and Mary was fully included, and it was a great experience. She had fabulous teachers. She learned a lot. Uh, I could list all the things she learned, and then we hit high school. And here we go. You know, now they know we want inclusion. Uh, they know Mary's been fully included. <laughs> they say, nope, she can't. And that it was harder in high school because parents have less presence in high school, right? But they, we, Mary had friends from middle school. See, this was the great thing, right? Mary was building these relationships through the years. And they would say, to us, they would come and talk to us and say, with Mary there, uh, and say, Mary, did you tell your mom about when, and then the name of the teacher, you know, made you so upset, made you cry. And sometimes Mary is uh, very reluctant to give voice to things that happened that were not positive. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know about it. But her friends were, you know, helping her, standing by with and for her. I learned a lesson. That one day when those friends brought that up, I, I had gone to pick Mary up. They were out together eating. I'd gone to pick Mary up. And they proposed that question to me. And they and I said, I, I didn't know that. Mary, I'm sorry. Uh, and I could tell from her face that it was accurate. And so her friends turned to me and they said, and what are you going to do about it? I paused. 
And I said, well, what, what are you going to do about it? You're in the school. I'm outside the school. You're the students. And do you know those students, <laughs> they took it right up. They said, you're right, Mary. Do you want to go tomorrow and we'll talk to the principal? We can talk to the principal about what happened. And we're going to stick up for you. <laughs> I left there with such a full heart. And that strengthened our resolve as a family, because by this time our other kids were involved, um, that Mary would always be fully included because um, many reasons, but one is she's safer. As a parent, I think all of us can relate to this idea of being safe. We, we want our kids to be safe. And uh, Mary was safer, I realized, because there were other people around her who cared about her and could give voice to it. Whereas Mary would not really be able to do that. So um, our journey has continued. Uh, we actually did have to move high schools and we found a you know wonderful smaller school that worked really well. It was a school that um, their focus was going on to some kind of education after high school. So they took kids on all kinds of field trips to different options, you know, trade schools, uh, technical schools, community or two year colleges, four year um, schools. And when we sat down to make plans at the very formalized meeting that I'm sure you're all familiar with, where the student has to say what they want to do after high school, Mary said, go to university. And now remember, you know, this was a very long time ago, right? And people sitting at the table, very nice educators. We really liked these people a lot. They were very good. They were totally stunned. And I couldn't figure out why they were so stunned because they'd been taking these kids everywhere you know, to, yeah. to see things. But I realized, you know, Mary's friends were all going to university. And in those days, we didn't have a lot of uh, programs or initiatives to support people with uh, a developmental disability to really legitimately go to school. Mm -hmm. And so um, we figured it out. Yeah. And this is like and 20, 2010, 2011, yes, 2012. Yes, she graduated in 2010. Yep. Yeah. So she went to school for four years as a non-matriculated student. So she did not get credit for this because she wouldn't have been able to pass the entrance of requirements. But she did go as a non-matriculated student focused on theater and uh, health. And uh, we were able to get some funding to support her um, to hire a grad student on campus who provided the support for her. And I can tell you, Mary learned so much. It was wonderful. And she educated all along of this journey, lots of people mm -hmm. by her presence and her participation. And uh, Mary has a has always worked since she could. At the age of 15, she got her first job at a little, uh, well, they don't have these anymore. 
the DVD rental store right in our neighborhood. And that was her first taste of working uh, and getting a paycheck. And that was kind of the end of it. She really wanted to work. <laughs> so she has had tried a lot of different jobs and she uh, always loved theater and continues to love theater. And eventually, after 15 years of you know, working in different jobs, finishing school, going to university, working throughout university, part-time jobs with support. I don't mean to make this sound like Mary didn't need support. All along this journey, she's needed support. Um, and that was part of our challenge, to help Mary find the natural supports. And she also needs some paid, she needed some paid supports to help the supporters to understand uh, you know, this vision of inclusion and how Mary, by this time, now had decided to live her life. Um, again, you know, she she needs ideas proposed to her, although after she had all these opportunities, she, she then kind of was able to come up with her own ideas. So anyway, she now works in the theater, and she does have a support worker who is just fabulous. Um, they are matched on their ages. They both went to the same university uh, and their interest. And I, I mean, they do amazing things together and it's all within the context of her, of her mm -hmm. community. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that journey, Darcy. I've got some questions about it. Is it okay if I, if we dive into some of them? Yeah, sure. Um, most of the families that are connected to this podcast and empowering ability are, I'd say like high school and older. So, um, I just want to touch on the, the school system and the inclusive path through the school system. I don't want to spend too much more time there, but what, what things should, if, if parents are on that path already, or they're trying or they're open to exploring it or they want to go in that direction and out of that out of a you know a special classroom and into the ordinary typical classroom what things should parents be thinking about um and what or, or what maybe do they need to know so one of the key aspects for us and continues to be um is vision having a vision, we learned very early on that we needed to be clear in our vision and it needed to be written down. Mm -hmm. And so I really recommend doing that. Uh, there are lots of people who, you know, can talk about the importance of a vision and how to put it down on paper. Don't worry about, um, I'll just say, don't worry, speak from your heart. Okay. And think big think big dream you know the dreams that you have for your kids you can put that down you know for a vision and high schoolers should be starting to have their own vision and oftentimes they need assistance to think about what is it that they really want they need opportunities to kind of explore things and see things and be in order to make a decision so the vision is really important, and I have over the years learned it needs to be written. 
however it makes sense for you to write it. Okay, and your family members should have a written vision. And when we were um, going through those school years, we learned how important it was for the teachers to have that vision. And of course, in high school, Mary would give it to the teachers herself. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, I think, uh, you know, formulating and working with the school to come up with, uh, you know, how can we make this happen? Like, what are the um, subjects, you know, that that high schoolers have available to them? And, uh, you know, how can we get the support for our family member natural supports? I mean, there's wonderful information about inclusive education out there and how to do this well. And we have made a lot of progress in that. So what worked really well for Mary was co-teaching. So there were two teachers in the room when Mary took Spanish in high school, a special ed teacher, a regular ed teacher. They taught together. I don't think the kids knew there was any difference. It was, oh, we have two teachers, right? Mm -hmm. That worked really well. Mary did also have special education support for math and reading. And so there were a lot of times that she, she wasn't pulled out of any class, but in study hall, she would work on on with that teacher. I think it was one time a week, and then we would follow through at home. So, I mean, you the vision is part of it, and then you need to figure out uh, what will work to make this possible so that your family member has a good education. It's not just about being included, right? Yeah. It's being included well, which includes lots of the social life as well as lots of the um, learning, you know, that comes with high school. Right. And I just would say one other thing. We... You know, I I don't know how much Mary learned, although every once in a while, Mary would come out with these startling things. I thought, okay, now that's a good reason why she was included. And off the top of my head now, I can't remember what it was. It was some historical fact or something. <laughs> if she hadn't been included, she would never have heard about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. And yeah, my contact with other families, our contact with other families was really helpful. Yeah. And I loved in your story how you talked about the power of those relationships with the friends that Mary had formed and that or and, and those relationships formed because she was in the ordinary pathway, right, of, of things instead of that special pathway and those relationships providing her safety and you provided a great example of that happening in school, right? But that can happen in all sorts of ordinary places, right? Your your neighborhood, the community center, at work. Um, that that principle applies over and over and over again in, in different different settings. So um, I think that that's a really important point that you that you shared. Um, the I just want to touch on Miss Wilson for a minute i'm picturing you sitting in the the little school chair and miss wilson looking down at you from her from her big teacher chair um and that the power dynamic that that represents um and that image um i think as families we've all experienced the miss wilson right might not have been a teacher 
It might've been an administrator. It might've been a service provider. It might've been somebody at the community center, right? Or, you know, it might've been an employer. Um, I'm just curious, any thoughts on how to, how to manage that type of a situation where there is someone that is in a position of potentially power and they have influence over, you know, what we want to get for our loved one and what the pathway we think is best. So in this situation, it was, I think you mentioned grade four, the or, the ordinary classroom in grade four, but it could be, again, it could be the, um, you know, going to the ordinary community center or it could be around employment or, or you know, whatever the situation, but I'm just curious, any thoughts on how to, how to approach those sorts of people and and situations? Um, I will pass along some thoughts that I basically learned from my husband, because I tend to be, um, you know, much more out there. Like I'm, uh, I'll start talking right away. My husband is much more reserved and thoughtful. And uh, this was a theme where we would think things out beforehand together. And I learned to be calm, patient, to really try to see things through that teacher's eyes, like to understand, uh, you know, what she was trying to say to me, um, really get a read on it before I responded. And that was, I think, see, I, um, this is seek first to understand rather than be understood. And I had to discipline myself to do that. This is my child. <laughs> you know? uh, so that was helpful, not only in our meeting, but in emails. Uh, I would do these long emails and my husband, you know, he's, he's much better at this than I am. And he would say, no. You, you've gone on and on. They're going to lose the point. <laughs> you mentioned all these things. Uh, it's overwhelming, you know. So I I learned from him to be succinct, precise, and polite. And But, you know, I'm firm. I'm firm. I'm not unyielding, but I'm firm. Uh, and I think that has helped us to get through. The other thing that really remind I kept reminding myself is, and at that point, the kids were only nine, right? But Mary has other kids and other families who know her. And indeed, uh, in this teacher's class, they did a Halloween project and they were filmed and Mary was dressed in costume and being filmed. And she that day, she had laryngitis. And, but she wanted to go to school to be in the costume and be filmed. And it was the most painful thing. The teacher was saying, speak up, Mary, speak up. We can't hear you. Speak up. Come on, speak up. I, I mean, I was in tears like when I viewed it because this was sent to all the parents. I didn't have to take up for her. Uh, Mary's friends parents <laughs> were contacting me saying, this is horrible. I can't believe that she talked that way to Mary. She Obviously, Mary was sick. Uh, and again, it was reinforced, but that was actually when she was younger, that other people would give voice to it. Mm. Um, so I'm not saying these things weren't hard for Mary. They were. But the other thing I've learned that I I did write down here 
is I have learned that my daughter is a whole lot stronger than I think she is. <laughs> In fact, I've learned that with all of my kids. It's a mother's instinct to protect. But, you know, we try to do our best, right, to provide a good environment for our kids. And Mary do- Mary can talk, but Mary doesn't often give voice to things. But she is so strong and clear. Um, and she has gotten through some pretty rugged stuff. I would say better than I have as her mom. So that's been one thing I keep reminding myself about. Yeah. I, and I, I love that. And I think it's so hard in those moments, right? It's, it's <laughs> when we're dealing with the, with the Miss Wilsons to kind of, stay calm because like i don't know you want to hit miss wilson over the head but (laughs) but um but yeah i I appreciate you sharing those points the i think that the last point that you um you brought up and i I made you i thought about it earlier again connected to mary's friends advocating for her in the classroom and you mentioned you know you weren't sure how much mary was learning um but she would surprise you at times and i think the the flip side of that is um sometimes i think we can view our loved one as not being valued or maybe even to the point of being a a burden in uh in the ordinary classroom or in the ordinary place but i think the stories that you shared darcy highlight the opposite that mary's presence and engagement and contribution in those ordinary spaces is a gift to other people because she's teaching other people things and and skills that they might not have otherwise had. So the the group of friends that she had, right, teaching them uh, empathy and compassion and to advocate. And they wouldn't have maybe learned that without being in relationship Mm. with with Mary. And same thing with the, the story that you just shared around those that group of parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And then th- how they showed up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mary being that also teacher and that gift that she's offering to other people. So I think that's something that we we can forget. Um, and I think those stories that you've shared are, are helping to maybe sh- shine some more light. And And I do just want to say, I think we know now from years of working on inclusion in all different places, schools being one of them, work being another major place, uh, communities, community centers and community activities and so forth being another place that actually, uh, you know, you find that where it's done well, it's better for everybody. So in school, that benefited all students when there were the two teachers or when adaptations would be made for Mary for her homework, inevitably teachers would say, wow, that really helped us to think outside of the box. You know, that was helpful to some other students in the class. Mary's job now working in the theater, it's so interesting, uh, you know, that they've made some adaptations and actually changed some processes which were not working for any of the other employees in the same job. And it's made it better for everybody. So this is something we've learned now from years of 
you know, working together to create truly an inclusive society. And so our kids are, you know, they're they're like pioneers, really, yeah. uh, and making change that makes it a better place for all of us. Thank you for sharing that, Darcy. One of the things that I had noted down here for us to talk about was um, valued social roles and how they've helped Marion to create that good life and making her vision a reality. But I think before we um, maybe talk about that topic, I'm going to ask you to put your social role valorization hat on for a second, because I'm even talking from the perspective of a mom. Um, so maybe if you can just share at a high level, like what is social role valorization and what is a valued social role? So the idea um, with social role valorization is that, uh, you know, people would have um, valued social roles that would lead to a really full, meaningful, good life. And that's really where this starts, is a full, meaningful, good life. And valued social roles are a way that we all, um, uh, you know, help ourselves or help, or help to have access to the good things in life, right? So, uh, you know, like having friends and having um you know things to do that we that are really in line with our interests uh having a job okay and you know being able to earn uh an income and so forth and so um examples of roles well you know I'm a mom right you're a brother <laughs> eric uh and you are maybe a homeowner, you may be a renter, you may be a neighbor, um, and you can think of each area of life, right? So uh, if you think about work life, oh my gosh, there's so many different kinds of roles. Uh, and and then if you if you think about your personal, um, I don't know, your fun life, uh, you know, your the, the creates fulfillment and satisfaction. Satisfaction. You know, so there's so many things. You can be a student, a yoga student, right? Yep. Uh, you can be a student taking, you know, taking a course, an online course. Uh, you can be. Well, I could come up with lots of things. I think a pickleball uh, team member. Right? Yep. <laughs> uh, you can be a, a pet of, owner. Part of a book club. Part of. A member of a book club, right? Yeah. That would be the role, you know? And then in that membership, being a book club, uh, being a member of a book club, I've only done that once, but like, you know, you get the book, you read the book, you, you make a few notes that you want to, questions you want to raise or conversation. Um, You know, if you are a member at the YMCA, okay, like, there are so many activities that you can engage in and benefits that come with that role. Mm -hmm. So we tend to really seek out roles that are a good fit um, for us. And how, how did this impact in our daughter's life? Uh, it Roles were the, the pathway through which we were able to make the vision a reality. Okay, so the big vision, you know, of Mary being included, being missed if she isn't there, 
uh, you know, experiencing lots of new things, finding her interests, right? All of those, um, you know, how do you do that? Well, it could be very broad. You might be just taking shots, you know, oh, I might do that. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we could really, you know, based on who Mary is and her interests. And when she was just developing her interests, we'd expose her to lots of different kinds of roles. And some, it was clear she was not interested in those schools. She didn't have a choice, right? <laughs> but extracurricular activities, she tried a lot of things. And she said, I don't like that. And the same thing with work, you know, for for her work roles. I mean, honestly, she thought she wanted to be a teacher, so she had a summer job being a teacher's assistant. I, you know, for little kids, at the end of that, she said, "I do not want to be a teacher." She was she was really clear. Yeah. Um. So I would say, you know, the the roles. Really, the way I think about it is we have the big vision and the roles are the pathways that help you to, uh, you know, experience that vision. Right. And then uh, how important is contribution in those roles? Because there's a difference between, you know, being a member of a book club and just, I don't know, maybe showing up or you could be a member of the book club that, um, is bringing the the treats and or you could be the member of the book club who's um i don't know uh, coming up with the discussion topic for for the next session um can you talk maybe a little bit to that like do you see like this is getting maybe towards like valorizing roles but could you speak a little bit to that darcy uh yeah see i i for us it's not just being in a role by name only mm -hmm. right saying I'm a member of a book club, but not genuinely being a member. So lots of roles have lots of different activities. You know, if you, I mean, for example, if we go back to being a member of the Y, there are lots of different activities you can engage in. Uh, so initially you kind of explore, right? Unless you go there because there's a class that you want to take and you become a student in that class. And as a student, and you know, you what are all of the different activities? A student in a yoga class, right? In this particular yoga class, sometimes it requires doing a little research to figure it out. What are all the different activities? And, uh, you know, this is what Mary's coach does. She analyzes the employment role with Mary and figures out, you know, what what are all the different potential um activities you could do in this particular role, right? Uh, and then figures out what Mary can do pretty well and then and without a whole lot of help, but then what are the things she does need help with? And then figuring out how to provide that support. Um, and so it is definitely not in name only. Right. Uh, yeah, great. Right. Because that, that's an important point for us all to all to remember um we could we could dive into a whole bunch of different things here darcy but i'm just keeping an eye on time i think as you talk about it right you talked about a few of the bumps along the way um there's a whole lot more <laughs> challenges along the way that you that you've shared um 
I, I think it'd, it'd be helpful to maybe spend a little bit more time talking about some lessons learned. We dove into a few of them um, on some side trails in the conversation here, but are there any other key lessons learned that would be helpful um, to share for families? Uh, okay. So an- another one, well, I mentioned that Mary's strong and resilient. I have learned that. Um, and in some ways she has come through these hard experiences better than I have. Okay. Uh, so don't underestimate your family member. Um, calculated risk is really good. I'm I'm not the kind of person who says, oh, just, you know, take any kind of risk. It's calculated risks. So this is just a very small example. But um, Mary is using Uber now. And when she first started using Uber, I thought this was so great. Uh, her dad would get the Uber and he would write to the Uber driver, you are driving my daughter. <laughs> With exclamation point. Uh, now we've progressed beyond that, you know, but it was kind of a risk. It was really hard for us. Now, for Mary, it wasn't hard at all. She was like, oh, great. I'm not having to ride with my parents. Um, but there's so that was, accountability there for that driver as well. Yeah, that's true. And we did have some experiences like taking the bus to university where Mary, of course, had the phone. We had the safeguards in place and she uh, got off at the wrong stop and then got back on and tried to call us and did call us and then got really upset and dropped her phone on the bus. And she wasn't, it was really nerve wracking. And the support worker was trying to figure out what bus she was drive after the bus. And we were trying and it all worked out fine. Like we figured out the bus route. We figured out where the end was. And new, but it wasn't Toronto. I mean, it's a smaller. So I, but it's a calculated risk. Uh, I think that you know that is um, that's really important. Um, yeah, for sure. So, the way and, the way that I like then, the way I was going to say really quick the way that I like to think about it is we learn by falling down, right? So, mm-hmm. but. We want to be able to get back up, right? So we want to be thinking about what's what's a um, a reasonable calculated risk where if our loved one does fall down, maybe they scrape their knee, and you can learn. That's how we learn, right? We learn by you know trying something. Maybe it doesn't work out. Having these experiences, maybe we scrape our knee, but we can get back up from that scraped knee. We don't want to take so much risk where if our loved one falls down, they can't get back up. Right. Right. So we, we always calculated, uh, like we were really careful. We thought about risk. Um, and then I would say you can have the best, the best plans in the world. <laughs> There's no guarantee. And I used to get so stressed about it when things didn't work out. You know, when we laid the plans, we had the vision. Mary was in valued roles and we had the right support. And, you know, and then something went wrong and it didn't work out. I've just learned, I thought, well, you're going to really shorten your life, Darcy, if you keep this up. You got to relax a little, you know. Um, And so, you know, then we like, okay, we'll go back to the drawing board and work on it again. And Eric, one thing I do want to say is you might get the impression that we don't think it's a good idea for people with disabilities to be with one another. And that is also part of Mary's life. 
So, uh, you know, she does go to um, a theater, a theater group, um, not not on a regular basis because she's pretty busy right now, but but with other people with disabilities. So when you're embracing inclusion, sometimes people think, oh, that means you can't have any other contact, uh, you know, with people with disabilities. And uh, no, it does not mean that. Our experience as a parent is that there are many more of those opportunities <laughs> than there are the opportunities for our daughter to just be included in regular life. So um, it means both, but people are always, even now in Mary's life, tracking her into that those experiences with other people with disabilities. I, I, when I say tracking, I mean immediately in their minds, that's what comes to mind, because we're used to that as a society. So I just want to clarify, because sometimes people say, well, my son like really enjoys going to this basketball uh, league, you know, plays together with other people with disabilities. That's fine. You know, I mean, I just, yeah. Yeah. And kind of along this thread, like, the special opportunities are typically the only ones that get presented to our loved one and, and our family, right. To your point. Um, so most of the conversation that I'm conversations that I'm having with families are focused on the ordinary because there's already so much of the special in our loved one's life. But that also doesn't mean that we want to pull the rug out from underneath our loved one on everything that they're currently doing, but how can we spend some more of our energy and when we're looking at new opportunities, focus on that inclusive, ordinary pathway? And um, there's just one thing. Um, I'm also conscious of the, your time there, Eric. There's just one other thing I'd like to end with. Yeah. And that is to enjoy your family member enjoy your loved one i feel like there are times as i look back in our lives that i was so busy trying to uh you know help mary to have this really full meaningful life and to really enjoy life and that i she almost became like a project and i wasn't that wasn't intentional, obviously, but mm -hmm. I wasn't spending time together with her mm -hmm. and and really enjoy her company. I love my daughter. This is what I do with all my kids. I like to be with them. And I like to be with Mary and not always planning and just enjoying, uh, you know, going shopping together, going out to a meal together, just even sitting together and watching a movie together. So, you know, she's a she's a wonderful daughter. I couldn't ask for, you know, anything more uh, in in a daughter or a son. Uh, and so I just encourage you, keep that in mind. And, you know, your family member is benefiting so much by your love, okay, and your presence in their lives. And that, that sometimes we we all well i do as a mom anyway i always feel like i'm not doing enough and i've i just i'm working on that to just like let that go <laughs> and, and uh you know trust that i am doing what i can do that's helpful and also enjoying my daughter 
I think that's a great message for us to wrap up the uh, episode on Darcy um, to remember to enjoy and and love our loved one. Um, so thank you for sharing your a little bit of your story. And Mary sounds like an amazing person. You're an amazing person. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I think it's going to be helpful for families. And I know that families are going to be able to connect and resonate with what you've shared. Um, if there's someone who's listening that um, wants to learn more about things that we've shared or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that, Darcy? Um, I think the best way to do that would be to send me an email at darcyelks at aol.com. And to just tell me you heard the podcast, so it gives me a frame of reference, that would be great. Awesome. And don't blame me if I fill up your inbox. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Darcy. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for asking me, Eric. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Darcy Elks. It was filled with nuggets of wisdom and gold for you. Um, Hearing Darcy's experience as a parent uh, of someone, uh, of a loved one with a developmental disability, but also someone who's worked with, you know, many other families. I don't know how many families Darcy's worked with, but a lot in the hundreds, maybe even thousands. So hopefully um, you're, you have some great takeaways that you can try on and implement with your own loved one and with your own family. So thank you so much for listening today. I'm Eric Gall and I coach families touched by developmental disabilities and I work to equip families with the knowledge and tools to cultivate an awesome ordinary life with their loved ones, all while ensuring that they're well supported today and in the future. And if you want to help your loved one grow their independence, I recommend you go over to empoweringability.org, empoweringability.org, and click on the link to get the 12 tips independence guide. This guide was created with all the wisdom from that I've from the families that I've worked with, you know, over a thousand families I accumulated this wisdom from. So this guide is really created with family knowledge um, on tips that you can use to support your loved one to grow their independence. So go on over to empoweringability.org, get your free guide if you haven't done that yet. Again, I'm Eric Gall. Together, let's keep taking small steps forward.